0: ending fascination for her. Its design had been inspired, according to legend, by a Roman villa, replicated now in glass and steel instead of stucco and stone, but with four big-bellied urns, one at each corner of the roof, like offerings to the gods of plenty, an attempt, on the part of the shoe baron, to insinuate the splendors of antiquity into the squalors of the Industrial revolution. In actuality, the factory resembled, quite rightly, a shoebox, oblong, its height in fine proportion to its length and width. But it was made mostly of windows, of glass, as if claiming a lineage going back to Cinderella's slipper, when shoes were involved with magic and central to the workings of romance. But with no lasts, no lathes, no hammers, With no poundings, no whirrings, no clankings, the factory, in its silence, had become yet another empty dwelling, committed to the slow process of surrender. Sumac had already broken through the asphalt near the docking platforms and along the factory foundations. Oak, maple, and sycamore, and a possible cottonwood, had staked their claims in the parking lot, and there was a sapling, close to the edge of the bluff, that Rachel had hoped might be an elm. If it were, it would announce the end of the blight, the return of the great fountain-like tree that had seemed, to her, surely the tree of praise. She had wanted at least one elm to be among the rising trees that would, at a future day, surround completely the forgotten factory, then advance within its fallen walls. Not as a conquering army but as a sheltering presence shading the wind-shattered glass, the bending steel, the crumbled urns, and the collapsing roof. Oak and maple would bring dignity to the tree's destined occupation of the space, but only the elm could speak some final praise for all that had been accomplished. There had been times when Rachel had stood where she was standing now, looking out through the high casement windows trying to will an elm into being. She would gaze at the splendor sapling, and, with near painful concentration, try to force onto it the configurations and properties of the elm. The rough layered bark, the oval leaf with the toothed edge, the green of the leaf, somewhat pale, as if there were a modesty, a humility, even in its praise. But today she had no power of concentration to give the incipient elm. She had no appreciation of the afternoon light caught in the reflecting glass of the factory walls, the first kindling of an evening glow, or of the glint of gold given off by the rusting metal that framed the window panes. She could think only of her stupid brother, Peppy, and his million-dollar prank. Again, Rachel lifted the cup to her mouth. This time... When the lemon peel hit her upper lip, she slurped it in and began to chew. Why had Peppy, who was not just her brother, but her baby brother, done such a thing? Never had she made known to him the order's needs, nor had she ever hinted at any particular want. Still, the money had come from Barber, Talon, Dempsey, and Hayes, beginning with two sent a month after the fire at St. Michael's School, where Rachel had been principal. That Peppy had paid for the sanitarium and for the treatment Rachel had been given shortly after the fire, Rachel knew. But in the light of this new evidence, she had to consider that that money, too, had been stolen. No wonder her cure had been so strange. Thievery had paid for it. Since her cure, she had often suspected that she would have been better off staying at the parish convent, in her room, until she could have pulled herself together. She'd been tired That was all. She'd needed some rest, a good night's sleep, a few deep breaths. Instead of allowing herself to be carted off to an expensive hospital, she should have given her cheek a quick slap, straightened her spine, and squared her shoulders. Surely that would have shaken off the threatened madness. But she had failed to do so. And, to this day, this was a source not of guilt, but of bafflement. True, the treatment she'd been given had relieved her of her terror, but it had taken away her sense of certainty as well. The easy trust she'd had in herself and her judgments.